Good morning. Our first scripture reference comes from Acts chapter 19, and it will be verses 1 through 7. It's on page 1726 in your pew Bible. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road to the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. Second reading is from the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 4 through 11, on page 1551, if you'd like to turn there and read along. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. Where did I hear that before? (laughs) And this was his message. After me comes more powerful than I, of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan, just as Jesus was coming up out of the Spirit on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. The word of God for the people of God. On Sunday, February 4th, uh, our district superintendent will be here in worship with us. Um, she will be uh, bringing a greeting and presiding at communion with me on that day. So I hope to see all of you there. Um, she is, yes, Judy. This is, this is Judy. We love Judy. Judy's former pastor, Ronell Howard, is now the district superintendent. So I know you'll be here. We'll be excited. And uh, so uh, we have a wonderful district superintendent. I really appreciate her. And so it will be wonderful to welcome her on February 4th here to worship with us. So just wanted to plant that seed in your mind. And I look forward to a good service that Sunday. Friends, let's pray together. Gracious and holy God, sometimes we are people wandering in a dry and weary land. 
We need to be filled up with life-giving water that only you can give. So Lord, meet us on the parched ground. Bring us to a place of abundance. Lord, fill us with your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to put to you that when you're a teenager, okay? And I know for some of you, like Tony, you've got to go way back in the recesses of your mind to remember those days. When you were a teenager, I don't think there was anything more embarrassing than being told that you look and act just like your parents. How many of you were ever told that when you were a little kid or a teenager? Yeah, was that embarrassing? Yeah, I remember I would be walking through the the hallways of the little Christian school I went to for elementary school, and these lovely old, well-meaning older ladies would come up to me and they'd pinch my cheeks. (laughs) And they'd say, don't you look just like Billy? I'd be like, oh my gosh. And then when you got into a teenager, I mean, this is like mortifying. Right. And maybe it's a sign of maturity. I don't know when you're, you were told that and you thought, well, yeah, I guess I do. I remember being in a restaurant uh, in college with some friends after church. And this voice came carrying across the dining room to the booth we were sitting at. Is that you, Billy? No, no, I'm Evan, but that's my dad. Thank you for sharing that with the entire restaurant. Their dining experience is better because you pointed that out. No, I, uh, I you know, we, all of us do, right? And maybe that's one of the things of just growing up and maturing in life, that we kind of come to grips with this fact, that we carry with us our family. And maybe that's in a physical representation, maybe it's mannerisms, maybe it's beliefs. But we do, don't we? We, For better or worse, some of us had wonderful upbringing, some of us probably had terrible upbringing, some were just fine. For better or for worse, we carry with us an image stamped on us of our family. In Mark's Gospel today, we have this image stamping, this family event occurring. Jesus has gone down to the Jordan to be baptized by his cousin John the Baptist. And at the moment of baptism, Mark uh, gives us a picture of what happens. Jesus is plunged under the waters. He comes up and what happens? A voice says what? This is my son, the beloved one. And then a dove The Holy Spirit of God, the love which the Father and the Son share between them, descends down to Jesus. So as Steve, when he read in Mark and he turned and says, this is familiar, isn't it? Advent, the season that we just came out of before Christmas, spends a couple of weeks on John the Baptist. And in fact, we heard that reading one of those Sundays in Advent. But it stopped at verse 8. We were just introduced to John the Baptist. We didn't actually see the baptism of Jesus. And so John is out baptizing. Now, let's put our theological thinking caps on for just a moment. When you were baptized, your baptism was different in both style and function than John's baptism. 
So John is baptizing in a very particular way for a very specific purpose. What is John doing? He's preparing people for the Messiah, for the one who's to come. So his baptism functions as a tangible public sign of repentance and preparation. So John is down at the Jordan. He's baptizing. And along comes Jesus. Now, imagine, if you will, with me for a moment. I've never been to the Jordan River. But I've seen pictures and I've had friends and colleagues who have been there. You know what they say? The banks are really, really muddy. They're really muddy. So imagine, if you will, Jesus, ankle deep, if not more, in mud, standing shoulder to shoulder with all these other sinners who have come out to be baptized. Now, this event in the early church was scandalous. You know why? Who needs to be baptized? Say it loud. Sinners! Sinners need to be baptized. And so what is Jesus doing? The perfect sinless Lamb of God. Why is He being baptized? For some segments of the early church, they really struggled and wrestled with how to understand this. Because, friends, if Jesus is a sinner who needs to be baptized as much as you and I do, then He can't be our Savior. And so here's Jesus standing shoulder to shoulder with all these other sinners. And no doubt John was somewhat confounded and astounded. In fact, in another recording of the baptism of Jesus, we actually see that. John goes, you come to me to be baptized. Yes, Jesus is sinless. Yes, he is perfect. No, he does not need to be baptized to repent of sin. Jesus There on the banks of the muddy Jordan River stands shoulder to shoulder with sinners and he identifies with them. Because friends, imagine with me, if you will, let's take this scripture and think about it for a moment. All of us at some point in our lives were born into it and some of us languish in it for a long time. We're all born into sinny mud, aren't we? Sinful mud. We're all stuck. We're all dirty. We need someone to wash us. And God in Christ comes down into the muck and the mire of our lives and stands with us and showers us with his grace so that by grace through faith we can do what had not been possible on our own. So Jesus is there shoulder to shoulder with sinners. And he's baptized, and he gives us that example in his baptism. And the voice opens, the voice comes down from heaven as the heavens open, as Jesus is baptized, the Spirit descends down, and we see this beautiful image of the triune God. How many of you remember when you were baptized? A few of you do. A few of you do. How many of you were baptized as an infant? How many of you were baptized later on in life? How many of you were sprinkled with water? Some of you. How many of you, how many of you are sitting there saying, well, I was a baby, so I don't remember how much water it was. You know, in the Orthodox, this is an aside, but I can do that because I'm a preacher. In the Orthodox Church, do you know how they baptize babies? I think this is beautiful. And don't worry, if you have a baby who's going to be baptized, I won't do this. 
They strip them completely naked. They take them by the ankles and they dunk them head first. One, two, three. Water's going everywhere. The baby's screaming. But if you think about it, isn't that just a perfect image for what God does? I remember when I was baptized, I was eight or nine years old in the Baptist church. Here's the thing about baptism, friends. Churches can get hung up on the way you do it and on how much water is involved. I think that completely misses the point. Because whether you're sprinkled, whether you're doused, whether you're dunked in a river or a swimming pool, it's all a work of God. God is not confined by the amount of water. God's grace is imparted to us freely and abundantly and lavishly. And so, we see this baptism of Jesus, and then at the same time we remember our own baptism. And because Jesus, who bears the very image, He is the face of the invisible God. And when we are baptized into Him, what happens to us now? We carry His face, His representation, His likeness, His image into the world. It becomes stamped on us. So that when people look at us, yes, they may see uh, our parents, they may see a family member, but what is the first thing that someone should see when they look at us, a baptized child of God? They should see God. They should see God. You see, friends, Jesus came down into the muck and into the mire of our world. And he stood shoulder to shoulder with sinners, but not judging them either. Accepting and loving them and showing them how to turn from the sinful ways in their lives. And so he enables us to do the same. You and I, that's our calling. We stand shoulder to shoulder with people who are messy and who are broken, and who are trying to figure life out. And we stand shoulder to shoulder with them. And we say that because of Jesus Christ, there's hope for all of us. That the things that have been done to us, the things that we have done, the muddiness in our lives, does not have to define who we are. There's one person who defines who we are. And that's Jesus Christ. Friends, when you leave this place and you go into the busyness of your week, maybe you go to the restaurant, you go to the grocery store, you go to work, you go and pick up your kids or your grandkids from school. Life flows in and through you. Do they see the one when you were baptized whose nature and whose very likeness you took on? Do they see Jesus in you? Oh, may it be so. Amen.